you were really in pain, but you're more comfortable here. And then you eliminated those and you, you exposed the truth. And the truth is, if I don't deal with this, I, I can go back where I was or I can move through it. And, and to have that opportunity to move through, uh, I think that's a rare experience for, for people. Hello everyone, I just want to welcome you to the Hustle Nutrition Podcast. Now, introduce my guest Gary, who has been absolutely, it's just so important in my life in terms of helping me through uh, different issues with mobility and also helping me understand movement a lot better, uh, my own movement and then being able to see that in other people as well. Now Gary's got some amazing work that is out there. Uh, he, t- he travels the world and uh, shares some amazing information and insights into the human body. Uh, but his work is typically all around uh, the foot postures and how the feet work. Uh, and he has such a great history. And he has an online space called Finding Center. Um, and actually what you find in there is that there is just a lot of content that's available for you to be able to control your body and have much better understanding of how you move and then being able to help that transcend into other areas of your life embedding it into walking and movement and just living on a daily basis so without further ado i just want to introduce gary uh, author of what the foot and creator of anatomy emotion Really do appreciate you being here, mate. It's really cool. Oh, um, uh, it's funny because we've had a what? How how long since you messaged me that first time? <laughs> that sounds that sounds like is it like super likes or something on Tinder. Uh, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, swiped, you swiped right, and we've been together ever since. The um, two and a half years, a bit more than more? that. Yeah, yeah, probably about that. Yeah, it was July-ish time. Uh, I remember yeah, it was in the yeah. summer because one of my friends had been on one of your workshops. It was uh, a chiropractor. He's out in Germany. And, and he'd said to me, it was like, dude, I know you're really in pain and you should really check this guy out. I think that you would really benefit from this little nine ninety nine program or whatever it was. It's like a 10 pound program. And, and, and initially I looked at it and I went, I've done it all. Like what, if this is just going to be another one of those things that I just, I, that, I'm going to do it to the book and it's just going to be another one of these things. And I just don't need that right now. Cause like I might be ready to, to do it and, but I'm just not able. And in actual fact, it was just like, yeah. it just takes time, doesn't it? You know, but not yeah. just that. I think uh, you, you had uh, an experience of living in one state, doing some gentle movement work and becoming and actually bumping into your real problem. And a lot of people don't have that fortune of, of uh, eliminating their superficial self, those parts of themselves, the, your adaptations, your compensations that you've done to be comfortable. You were really in pain, but you're more comfortable here. And then you eliminated those and you, you exposed the truth. And the truth is, if I don't deal with this, I, I can go back where I was or I can move through it. And, and to have that opportunity to move through, uh, I think that's a rare experience for, for people. You, you opened it up because that's when you messaged me. That's when you were suddenly in real discomfort and lost because all of a sudden you couldn't do the movements anymore. Mm. Um, and I do wonder how many people end up in that place and then kind of 
you know, dismiss it as not for me or another, just another thing. It, it's good, but it's not for me. Whereas you, you did the, uh, what at the time was quite unusual was just, you messaged me and I asked you a question and the question was, you know, Jesus, like I've got to help you because that's the kind of guy I am. And that's why I create programs that don't cost a lot of money. Um, and, and we managed to, to, had <laughs> some pretty fun eureka moments. I mean, this is the first time you and I have been face-to-face in that time. Everything else has been WhatsApp or Instagram message. Uh, so to help you through these programs just from sending texts back and forth. Now, two and a half years later, we have Wake Your Body Up and Wake Your Feet Up. And I feel like I spend all day, every day doing this, doing similar things with, with people who are in the programs. So um, I know the programs, while the programs teach people um, how their body moves and how to do it. I know that people struggle to act, to do it in, in quote unquote properly. Uh, I know that people don't have the patience. I know that people move too quickly. I know that their, their awareness of their body is not necessarily great. And, and this is, that's when it becomes a long time thing. Um, but to take that time and to really meet yourself um, and to do the, the movements is, is you, you really give yourself an, an opportunity. And some people will sail through it. They won't bump into what you had because you'd, you'd had the surgery, you'd had the, the gift of a new belly button. <laughs> I don't know how, many, how much people know about your history, but, um, you know, for you to be able to, to interact with those things and recognise that contact in these areas just gave you movement back and for you to generate new movement and for your brain to experience new movement... Um, it was a joy it was a joy to work with you even if it was just text do you know what like seriously um, I still I still say to people I have to pause I'll, I'll be talking to somebody in a room I'll be rubbing, rubbing my, my stomach and they'll say to me it's like are you hungry <laughs> and I'm like probably yeah but like in actual fact I have to say no I'm, no, I'm really sorry but I had um, you know I had some surgery on my abdomen and I just did because once I've, if I've been sat down for a while it gets quite tight and I just have to start like run out. and I know that I need to rub it. I need to get some circulation in there get some movement in. And that was yeah. literally like one of those, yeah, like one of those toy dolls that you press the bottom on and then they just fall down. <laughs> then when you let go, it like comes back yeah. up in the opposite way around. Yeah. Like press my belly button and I'm yeah. like, boof, straight. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, rush, rushing really gets you nowhere with loads of things like that. Do you know what I mean? When it comes down to, movement practice of any kind you know exercise or anything just rushing through something um and i say this to some of my students a lot of the time is it's easy to move fast we can move fast but move slowly under control that's hard you know that's hard hard. now i really people feel like they get somewhere quickly is to get is to get a result better but normally it's the opposite you'll skip I often say, if you look, look on the internet at three-dimensional movement, and if you critically look on the internet at three-dimensional movement, you will notice that virtually nothing is moving because it's happening at speed with a weight, like a viper or something, not to discredit vipers because they can be used very wisely. Yeah. Um, but like any tool, it can be used well or, or not, even a piano, right? <laughs> so the, um, you'll see people move their body to move an object, but because they haven't the awareness of the beautiful integration that goes on in the body. They're just moving as huge chunks mm-hmm. and, um, and sidestepping all the, all the value. So the speed is def- definitely an issue. I always really make a point in our classes that slow 
and specific is the way forward because otherwise you you can miss huge chunks of your of your moving body out and and uh, miss out on tons of value yeah uh, like the tempo of things and that i notice is and in like working through your stuff in the online space is like there's no repetition there's no counting of anything it's done slowly and you, mm. and, it, and actually you invite people which is quite important to go through a movement and then just and then just have a moment to you know like stand and go through a cog or something like that and and you know how is how is it you know let it settle in and then you yeah. back, and then you can go back to it if you like you know it, go for a walk yeah yeah, yeah. But it's about exploring exploring the opportunity inside your body because there are areas of your body that you are not exploring like there are areas of everybody's body that they're not willing to move into able to move into scared to move into um and and they will go about their daily life and their daily sporting activities and their exercise routine not accessing those movements so the only way when the demand is called upon them to access them they simply compensate they've found a way to move around these things so they're what we call dark zones or blind spots going back to the abdominal surgery for you to you all of that stuff seemingly from our conversations was not accessible at all until you put your finger on your belly button or massage the scar so by doing that you suddenly unlock this whole other there's this whole like a door just open the door there's oh there's a whole realm of rob husk movement that i can move into and i'll, I'll move over there and um, and then by doing that it's a bit like you said about the food in our kind of um, pre-podcast chat but you kind of said well, that tastes great. Oh, that tastes horrendous. And you realise that what's over there actually tastes great and where you've been tastes horrendous. So what are you going to do? Your innate self is going to end up uh, observing and exploring that um, beautifully tasting space over there of three-dimensional movement that you just didn't know you had access to. Yeah. Yeah, the brain yeah. takes over at that point. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you're talking about all the time. You know, even in some of the gyms, in the best gyms, you still see people that are moving terribly. Or even, even better is that they do things like glute activation or they're on the floor rolling around trying to get the core really tight. Yeah. Because we all know that hip, hip problems and knee problems come from a lack of core. And then in actual fact, it's like, you, and then they go and put 100 kilos on a barbell and then they start squatting. And the whole time you can see these feet just like moving. <laughs> like... And, and, and I can see that it's, it's like, it's like, yeah. but it's like, but by going through the stuff that you do and what I've learned from going through the stuff that you've, that you've done. And even as a novice, cause I am not in any way, shape or form saying to people that I am a movement practitioner or um, somebody that is a professional in that space. But even I can see that. And it's a bit like the matrix is like the red or the blue pill. Once you've learned that stuff, you can you can only ever know, yeah. and then you take action based upon your. I know that that is wrong, and therefore I am not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, 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 you just see people just moving ever so badly because they think it's the right thing, or it gives them a um, a very quick and fast solution to get something very strong very quick, so they can just go through a movement again fast and then just get yeah. out of it. They can feel like they've worked, yeah, but it. it's it's a matter of like crossing T's and dotting I's. It's a matter of I'm doing all of this really fluffy shit, but in actual fact, 
I just need a really strong foundation. And I think that one of the biggest things that I learned by going through like the AIM stuff was that having that connection, not just with your brain and your feet, but also having the connection between your feet and the floor. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult though, I think for a lot of people that if you've never experienced that, and I know that you've written about this a little bit on on your Instagram, like if you Mm. don't know what full movement feels like, and so many practitioners only ever focus on end range movement, they never focused on the whole movement. The journey from one to the other, yeah. Yeah, and, and trying to explain to somebody, it's like, and they turn around and go, oh, I'm so I'm hypermobile, mate, me. Yeah, I can, I can, maybe you are, but I can tell you now that your arm goes over your head and it all comes from like your front, I can see your front dog get tight, but your trap three yeah. ain't done shit, bro. <laughs> Scapula's <laughs> still here. Scapula's yeah, not but, moved. Yeah, yeah, your scapula's still there, but the arm came up. <laughs> and and it's, it's like, you know, and or, or even they, they do that. And then the lumbar spines move in to compensate for the lack of movement in the thoracic spine. You, you, and this is coming from a novice. That comes, yeah, the, well, from someone that is, I suppose, um, I would use the word like introspective because it's like a mental thing. But if it's like I can, I've, I've gone into myself enough to try and yeah. see that in somebody else. And then there's, yeah. that, there's that part of you that like goes, I really want to say something. We use the line, um, let the experience create the learning so you can tell somebody but when they experience it it's a whole different kettle of fish and Mm -hmm. what you've made me think about in in that little spiel is the uh, people will come across your your messages on instagram and there's people who've learned it will be like totally you know agree and then people who have learned something else are reading it in the context of what they know in their and therefore it bumps in their, yeah, potentially in the tribe or in their um, perspective. And um, it becomes it becomes very difficult then. So people will start trying to teach my audience on my page <laughs> their work. And I'm like, well, can't you do that on your page and attract, yeah. you know, put all the effort in to attract your own audience? Um, but not not to say that my way is is it's my way or the highway, but um, one of the one of the gems of our work and pages there is to keep it simple and to remove all the noise um, of excess and complex information that when you really see it you, you you keep in your back pocket but you don't necessarily need it it's not something that's useful like telling somebody that to move their eyes and breathe differently without actually addressing the skeleton's potential for movement you're, you're always going to be stuck in that state of of the of the door closed and the food tasting shit until you open that door what is it that it enables people to open that door? And in the gym, I quite like that analogy. We use that as a because it's husk nutrition. We're just in the shitty food space and the door closed. <laughs> if you you can take a picture of the here's a plank, do that in your exercise. Here's a star jump, go and do that in your home routine for lockdown. That posture that you're doing the plank in, the movement awareness. Not, it doesn't matter how mindful you are, how conscious you are, there are these dark zones in your body that you do not know how to do. And so you're doing your plank in the best possible intention in the structure that you've got today based on all of your histories and insults and to your body and behavior habits. And that you can only do the plank that well. You can only squat that well and you can only lunge that well and you can only press a bar that well. 
Mm. Um, when you open up the movement potential, you open the door and the, the smell of the food is inviting you deeper and deeper into it till you get to taste it. That's when your plank changes. So it's like a, I call it a state. So you're in one state, which is the ice cube, and everything you do will always be ice cube until it becomes water, which is a completely different state. And then you get to be, have a completely different experience, a completely different um, approach to your movement, a completely different way of doing things, a different feeling. And then your brain starts to generate a whole new understanding of what its potential and capability is. So whether it's in the gym or walking to the bus or um, laying on a couch with injury and discomfort, have to address, have to address those obstacles in the system, history of injury, the movement limitations. And it'd be so simple. I mean, I think it's so simple. And I know I shouldn't put that on everybody and uh, it can be quite belittling, but I do struggle with students who say it's really hard. And I, go, I never had that. So I, I can't empathize with the student who finds it hard. But I think one of the differences, the student who finds it hard has got a lot of information that they need to gently sift through before they can kind of see what I see, whereas I didn't have any of that. So I just, I effectively made it all up, but it's very effective, <laughs> very useful. And, um, and, that, and, and, that, and that's, uh, that's my perspective on it. But those who do work hard and allow the, the truth again, just to be, to be seen and experienced in their bodies really makes, a, makes, they start to have a very rewarding career in body work and they start to enjoy working with clients again. And, and I think clients who take it on like yourself can become, educated in in their own body and I think that for me that's what's most important not educated in the bodies to help other people but just to be able to help myself look after myself and my my line of course is take ownership of your body instead of constantly feeding it out giving it out to someone else to fix which is I think is a huge um, problem in our in our industry uh, for a lot of people Massively, I remember one of the one of my very early visits of because I am a big believer of chiropractic. I'm not going to lie. I do. I it's gotten me out of some dire straits uh, because it's very fast. Because it is very fast. Um, but I can remember going to my chiropractor very early on. He was an absolutely amazing guy. Sadly, though, I haven't seen him in like three years since I started working doing your stuff every day, uh, which has saved me quite a lot of bills. Um, but, uh, it was always a matter of, you know, this is your pain. You've got to take this on. And if you don't, you know, if you don't keep up with this outside, what you, what I'm doing for you is going to be just a drop in the ocean, mate. I'm going to help you get out of it very quickly, but you have got to do the rest. And I think yeah. that that's what's brilliant about some of your stuff is it really, it really can complement a theory, uh, like a, uh, a practice like that. You know, you can put yeah. direct input into somebody's spinal system and the nervous system and everything else that's going off in there, but it's got to stay. That's the problem. And if people yeah. keep, keep going back to postures and movements that are not benefiting them, they're not serving them. Let's use a posh word for that. It's just, it, you, they're just going to go straight back. You just go straight yeah. back. And then it keeps people at the chiropractor's table, which is great. But, you know, for this is the state thing. This is the state thing, Rob. So the I said the ice cube to the liquid and you know, liquid to the gas, whatever stages you want to be. But you can be in, in the posture that you have, you can be better or worse. You can be symptom-free or, or in pain. And you can bob between the two. But you'll always 
fluctuate around because the state of the structure is 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 the same mm-hmm. um and so many times many conversations but using the chiropractor and osteopath and of course i i have worked with many now chiropractors and osteopaths um phenomenal skill set that they have that i wish i had um but would say to them like look so if this you might be able to assess this guy's neck and the neck is in position x and you recognize that this adjustment is going to is going to neutralize it and everything will be fine um and that was fine until a little bit of investigation later position x for the neck means position y for the spine and position z for the pelvis and that's put pressure on one leg more than the other and you find out that they don't want to put weight on the other leg anymore and you ask them why because they broke it when they were young and they don't have confidence on it they don't have any don't feel safe when they bear weight on it and you adjust the neck and they walk out the door everything's feeling good but by the time they've paid their bill they're afraid to put weight on that right leg again Um, and so then start to go back to the weight on the left leg the pelvis reverts back to where what it knew that default position the spine does and the neck does and then you're back in next week for the same treatment and uh, and so that idea of going this is great work what if it could be complemented with a whole body approach that really digs deep enough to find out what it is that makes people feel confident what it is that makes people feel safe in their movement gives them access to their full potential rather than the, the the you know to go from ice cube to water state that for me is, is a huge part of it and, and a lot of practitioners i've worked with over time we'd spend at the start of any class anywhere between an hour and two hours with people doing intros because people would feel safe enough to just kind of say why they're there some people would go i read your book loved it next person other people would be like do you know what i read your book it gave me some hope I can see that there's other things that I could be doing that I'm not doing. And I'm really tired of knowing what a person needs, but it not being beneficial for them and seeing the same people over and over again. And I don't feel like I'm helping. And these are the type of people who would come on the courses and then, and then they, you know, they get to change their approach and open their eyes. And, and that's been, um, you know, for me, one of the most humbling kind of gifts really that we've been able to help people, get re-inspired back with their work um, and help their patients and enjoy enjoy uh, enjoy what they're doing again and get back on track with their career. I mean, I've said this to you before, but um, like, how did you actually, like you must have had to have endured a path to get to where you had to go, you know what, I need to start doing this. So like, you know, like I, I've, I've been so overweight in my life and, and then you start doing something like eating better to, and you don't know why you, you, but then all of a sudden, like internally, these, you know, what fires together, wires together and all that other stuff. And it's like, uh-huh. yeah. hmm. so like, what was the sort of like the buy-in or like the, 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 the light bulb that went off for you for, for going, you know, there's something like really here. I'm, I imagine it's going to go back to the ski boot fitting. I do that. One is I literally fell in love with feet and anatomy um, in the ski boot fitting time. Um, which was enough to make me help me to get on a course to study about the rest of the body. Um, I was reading Flex magazine from the age of 16, so I could kind of put some muscle on so I could play adult football and transition from kids to adults, um, which was my dad's guidance. I remember him kind of saying, 
God, if you want to play adult football next year, you just get in a gym, lad. So, all right, that Pot was like... chops, tri-tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's straight, it. Straight in. That was the gym. Read Flex magazine. Um, do a personal training course. Might as well have just read Flex magazine. That was how I felt. Yeah. Um, so the massage was useful. We used to have a business in the Alps where I'd fit ski boots all day ski in my spare time, eat pizza, drink beer and massage in the chalets. That was, that was life for six or seven years. Um, but the skiing was hard, hardcore, um, lots of, uh, jumping around and skiing off cliffs and, and lots of pain and lots of agony and ripping a shoulder and on the back of ankle sprains and broken jaw and broken nose and uh, a proper history myself. And I was one of those, I don't think anybody can actually help me type people. So I had um, more, I got guidance from an osteopath who was, he was, he was great, but he, he used to openly say to me, I said, I don't really know what's going on, but you know, you stand like this. I remember how I stood and he said, uh, put me into a straight place. And he said, I bet you feel like a bit of a dick standing like that. And I said, I, I do. And he said, you don't look like one. I want you to remember that. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. So there's a perceptional change here. I have normalized my faulty posture mm. um, and a normal posture is feels faulty. So I had to readdress that. And I realized that there were these two perspectives, uh, but I was a trainer at the time and started, well, in order to hold that posture, I need to strengthen this, shorten this. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and all the time I was trying to tie in feet to the rest of the body because there was this literally you could draw the body from the knee upwards and that was this world and then the knee downwards and that was this world and I'd had a big taste of both and I wanted to know what that what that was so to um to string them together I've got to say it was kind of the most euphoric experience I've probably ever had um I remember sitting in a room finally got my head around how the foot moves um, and I was happy with that, really comfortable with it. So it was like, well, I need to look at how this movement influences the tissues of the foot because we've got flexors and they've got extensors and they sound like they do opposite things. And we've got peroneus longus that everts the foot and we've got posterior tib that inverts it and then started overlaying these tissues to these bone movements. And I just stood there and went, we have no clue yeah, what a muscle do does. Yeah. <laughs> we have absolutely no clue. Um, and they all require foot pronation to have something to do. And the rest of the world is saying no to foot pronation. So I'm like, wow. So we're actually saying no to the role of muscles. Muscles are designed to control that movement and, and react in a contraction to create the opposite movement of supination. So we spend all our time supinating it, but without the pronation, the muscle doesn't actually know what to do. The brain doesn't have a reason to fire those muscles. So we just get lazier and lazier and lazier. Mm. Um, and, uh, I can't, I can't, it was just one thing after another, Rob, one thing after another of, um, like I remember how looking up things like valgus and varus, what does that mean? Looking it up, reading about it and then going, oh, wow, that, well, that's actually happening when the foot pronates. So if I've got a varus forefoot, I need a varus forefoot. A varus forefoot is when uh, you, you, your big toe might sit like this yeah. against your heel. Yeah. But when you 
when you put that on the ground, it just collapses and yeah, it turns your heel like this. Yeah. So everything's on the inside. So you've got a varus forefoot, which other people call a supinated forefoot. How does a supinated forefoot create a pronated foot position? Oh, God. So the language and everything was this like just mess that you had to just pile through. And I just determined to be able to help people understand. And that just meant simplifying the language, sometimes altering a few words um, and and creating an experience where people go, oh, wow, yeah, I can feel that. I noticed that. And um, and for a while, but it was about 2009, I remember um, working through some stuff with a guy and he said, uh, he was just doing an exercise. We were going from, you know, what is anatomy in motion? And what is it? What is it? What does that, that mean for it? And what's, you know, next layer, next layer? And we ended up with just a smile on the face. I said, anatomy in motion is all about the smile on the face. And, and for years, it would just make a little uh, adjustment in someone's foot and send them off for a walk. And of course they always walk away from you. I mean, every time they turn back and look at the group, they're just like smiling on the face. And then when I was on the doctor in the house show, the clip yeah. on the website, he walks off back to you, turns around beaming smile. And I was like, you know, it's just, that's what it is. It's, it doesn't matter what you, what you think, what your background is, what your education is. When you get an opportunity to experience the movement and it, and it lands for you, you will smile. You will feel like you've got access to something new, a new state, new possibilities. And, um, and that's why I love teaching the courses live because um, you had that all week long, every day, from the first morning to the people who like popcorn, they pop first, to the end, last afternoon, the people who pop last. And then in time, the people who didn't pop for two years, but they kept at it because they saw there was some value in it. And big difference between now, obviously, teaching online uh, online courses, it's a completely different kind of experience. And, and I'm sad for those people not to have access to the groups where there's, you know, there's that, you know, what a group does, that, that vibe of being together yeah, and seeing yeah. other pushing a lean. So these people having to do it on their own, hopefully they've got some friends along for the ride and um, support opportunities are now popping up for people to, to learn with our other uh, established mentors. But um very different, very different. I hope not to lose that that sense and feeling of it, but I also hope, obviously, to get back to to teaching live courses. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't. That's there's like a nice summary of the whole journey, really. But do you still do much? I had to take ownership. Well, yeah. Do you still do much like one to one with people? And do you actually do a lot of like, well, not hands on currently, but do you do much that is actually because I because I, I I imagine that by now you're in a position where you go. I want anatomy emotion to be an overarching brand, as it were, to use a horrible, I don't like to use that word, but because uh, it's a very businessy s thing. And I don't feel that what you do, you, yours has got some more heart to it, you know, so it's a little bit yeah, more. Well, I think that like, my, my wife, Lindsay Boyd, she would say that if your brand doesn't have a purpose, mm. then, you know, it becomes that heartless thing you just kind of alluded to. But do I teach? Uh, I don't have a clinic at the moment. And basically, because in, to manage the, uh, the number of students, the online um, stuff, it, it, it was it was too much. So um, I didn't, I used to obviously do lots and lots and lots of clients, but the, it's, it is, it's about, it's the purpose and the brand thing there. But for me, it, the more people I could teach to help other people, that's the I remember sitting with a doc, I remember sitting with a doctor in a room and, and, um, and uh, he said, he said something like he, he would work with, he would, he wasn't working that day because he was on this kind of brainstorming 
event thing. He said he would have worked with 10 people today. And I was like, shit. At that time, I was like, I've got 400 people probably doing 10 people a day. So the reach is is much, much bigger. Um, And that really got me. That was um, so it's to still to make sure that people are out there on the one hand learning on the one hand being able having support to be able to uh, help others um, and for also after again after being on the tv show when you wake up to two and a half thousand emails it becomes six thousand emails by the end of the week um, the phone started ringing before I'd even they'd even seen what I was doing like you realize that there's a huge need for, and a huge cry for help out there. And um, to be, we ran the Wake Your Body Up for two years at zero cost for people to uh, um, begin to take ownership of their body. And right from that point that we were having great experiences. So that enabled people that we've taught to have more access to people, people understanding the type of work they're going to have when they go to people, which has also been a problem when people have looked for this work and gone to uh, a perceived student of AIM and received a totally other level of work. That would That's another amount of work that you've got to do when you're dealing with complaints. <laughs> um, it, but it, it's that's why, that, that was why it was kind of, it wasn't initially why it was done, this is how it's evolved. Mm. Initially, it was just out of curiosity, pure curiosity about how it works. Then it, the joy of seeing it work, and then and now um, helping as many people have access to it as, as possible, I suppose. I think one of the biggest things that I, I've seen in, in recent times is obviously these, and these, these anatomy. I've got my green wedge right here. It's one of my very well used. And in fact, I'm gonna, I want to buy some more um, because I have a feeling that there's going to be some benefit to utilizing them under both feet at the same time rather than just the forefoot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that I mean we we had a little bit of a joke about it, but people were like will message you and like go, where do I buy the wedges? And it's like, well, do you know what you're doing with them? I'm like, yeah. does, 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 doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I just need the wedges, mate. And I'm like, well, just go and find some. I mean, literally, I can remember starting. I can remember starting. And I'm just seeing if there's anything around. I would just get anything, like a pen, anything. Literally, I would get a pen, a book. And then I read it in your book, actually. I think in your book you'd said, like, literally, find anything, stick it under it and see, see how it moves. Just see if it goes more, you know, varus or, you know, supernatural, yeah. whatever happens. And there's, <laughs> there's connections. You have to remember being... You can being, get, um, on, get a port salut cheese from the from Waitrose <laughs> market. Perfect shape. Yeah, it actually man. is effective. It totally works. But I started rolling up magazines and yoga mats and... Yeah, I yeah. think I'd, I'd rather go for some like Edam, like a wedge of Edam, a little, little bit firmer, just yeah. to build some. Yeah. yeah, no, but um, yeah, we have <laughs> magazines, like anything. Like literally at the gym, they've got like squat, well, my gym, we've got um, squat ramps. So they're like just elevated heels to elevate the heel. I, I just literally, when I'm warming up and trying to get my lower body to fire, because I know that that's, what's, that what, that's what I'm going to be working towards, I'll use it to put my foot into a good position and I'll go through some of your movements. And it's like, that's probably the best thing that I could do right now because these live <laughs> at home. And if I take them outside, they're going to get lost. That's that I'm <laughs> yeah. not willing to do. I'm not willing to run, run, run that, uh, to lose them. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, they've been absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating to have. And um, yeah, like I was saying earlier on, I, I know it took a little bit of time to develop the program and, and getting these to, to, to people's hands. Um, 
but they don't actually like see that benefit of like going, well, I need the program. I need to know what I'm doing with it because I need the method as well. It's like buying yeah. a, a Hello Fresh order or something and it coming without the instruction manual. Well, I've just got the steak yeah. and, and chips, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'll in the pan together. Yeah, yeah beer eight, beer eight, Norwich. Seeing as seeing as we're from, as soon as I'm from Nottingham and Derbyshire, beer eight, Norwich. That's what we'd say. Um, Do you know uh, it's it's it <laughs> the same? I think you, like you said, we we joked about it before, but I did used to leave, wonder exactly the same thing. But it goes back to that idea that they've learned enough about the body to make a certain assumption about what we're going to do. Well, they think they've known. That's the thing. Yeah, that's what I mean. That What I said earlier, they, they listen, they read your posts and information in the framework of knowledge that they, that, that they understand. And when you listen to something in the framework of knowledge that you understand, you forget to listen to the bits that you need to hear because you understand. So we recently had to change our online education course to, to put an exam at the end of every chapter to block it all off. So you have to go through the process because people would, we found out that people would literally skip to the end to yeah, exactly. find out what the exercises are and um, throw them around, you know, quite irresponsibly in the gym on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and not, but they already know that, you know, people don't realize how they don't. Another factor, which is worth saying, if, you know, this goes far and wide, is everybody who ever came on a course read the book. That was a prerequisite. Yeah. Now it's not. Now you can just buy buy the course online, and, and the recommendation is there. But of course, it's not the route that everybody chooses to take, and so um, it, it's hard. It's difficult now in an online world, but we will continue to mitigate and do do what we need. But the the wedges, I would wholly recommend trying to understand it. There's 26 bones in a foot, 33 joints, and lots of misunderstanding, misinterpretation. Very over. I like simple, but oversimplified. And not useful is is not useful, mm. but simple and useful is, is going to make a big difference. And so, to be able to look at your foot, whether I need to lift this bone up or roll this bone this way or encourage that forward, um, similar to so experiences you and I have had. Had a guy the other day, I've been reading your work. I've got wake your feet up. I've got a lump on the back of my Achilles. It's been like it for ten years. I've seen loads of people, um, and nothing's changing. I think I need to work on the other foot because it's a bit flatter. Have you got any insight? Send me a picture, sends me a picture. Calcaneus is bolt upright, which means to me, which is the same reason anybody has got a lump on the back of their Achilles. So if you've got a lump on the back of the Achilles, listen up. <laughs> it's because your calcaneus cannot roll forward. And, and the reason, it, if it can't roll forward, it's going to keep your foot back of the arch up. It's going to look a bit more supinated. Chances of the first metatarsal head being on the ground is, is probably still nil. So you're going to roll through that foot, create, just create stresses at the back of the ankle where the ankle is bending, the calcaneus isn't. The other foot's only response is to flatten. So you get sucked into the flat foot, you miss the magic of the, the non-rolling calcaneus. So I explained this to him. Two hours later, we've got a message here and Achilles has not felt this good for 10 years. So again, it was that I've been doing the program, I've got the movements, the direction he will have experienced that he just won't have experienced it in the way because of the additional layering of words so maybe that's something we need to address in the programs somewhere they need to be a bit more clever but you know that's what we're there for to, to still be able to to help but i think that's the problem that, that's that's a big problem just just with human interaction isn't it it's communication and especially when 
um, you know, we're not able to be with one another in a room, um, especially like like now. Um, you just miss out on being able to have that instant feedback. Like I can tell you within seconds, and that's what you pay for someone's time for, really. You know, for someone like yourself or any other practitioner, it's like going, I can give you that because I know it. Yeah, okay, it takes yeah. me seconds. But like, yeah, to find it out on the internet is quite, sometimes quite challenging, quite difficult. Yeah. And sometimes if yeah. when people do find stuff out on the internet, they take it for what they paid for it, which is usually not very much. And then they sit there and go, well, it's not important then. And like yeah. Google meant is that, you know. That is the challenge. That is the challenge uh, that we have with low low cost but I want it to be available to people in because actually it's high cost if you take it to somebody in India yeah. uh, and I've had conversations with people over there who've saved months to be able to afford it and, and it's very humbling um, so that's a, that's a fine balance that, that we have to pay check this out return to the rants this section right here is return to the rants you know what, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know what I wanted to bring it up yeah just um I just read it and went, that's just, that's just, that's not rants, that's just truth, man. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but being being, that's because oh, I'm, right. thank you for saying like, that. Well, no, it's because I'm like aimed, as it were, aimed as, um, at anatomy and motion, maybe because I already understand, but I was just like, yeah, like static stretching. I mean, I, I know that it, it works for about 17 seconds and it turns a bunch of stuff off, but then, you know, you walk away and you come back. But I think the best one out of it is talking about yeah. the, new, the neutral spine. And I think that that's probably why a lot of people end up trying to find a neutral spine and holding it and staying firm in that whilst we move a pec or, a sh- or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. Sometimes it actually yeah. add into people's injury and insult yeah. to the body all, all the time. Uh, trying it's to lock things down a complete heart slice of the conversation neutral is where you want to rest and start but from that place you have to have all accessible movement and if you don't have all accessible movement you will find it hard to find neutral so you can try and force yourself into neutral but then you're in the ice cube state we need to get you into that space in the in the in the flow state of water um again these are analogies that i've never used before i think it's the nutrition side of uh, it's hydrate, <laughs> hydration, mate. Just good. It's just all good uh, electrolytes. It's all about the electrolytes. Yeah, that's right. But um, fluid yeah, and flow. You you posted about it the other day on your on your Instagram. We were talking about um, like people thinking that they've got a really great range, but they've never really experienced like they've got their range, and they think, oh, it's great. Yeah, my my pec or whatever, or, or my bicep moves, and that's, and that's awesome. But it's like, what, yeah. what are you missing out on? And then mm. um, I don't know if you if you know. Uh, what's this guy's name? Can't remember what the company's name is. And looking at it literally with like an engineering perspective of structures, mm-hmm. and going, look, yeah. this is if you want this part of your lat to fire, you know, you've got to pull this line of pull versus this line of pull. You know, and I can understand yeah. that, and I can see that there's so much. I can see the merit in it, especially with bodybuilding. You know, when you're trying to it's, define certain yeah. sections, but then that also just throws yourself down that path of and, and that's exactly why I found what I was doing like just injury and just trying yeah. to keep things under control that actually shouldn't be and your body's trying to load a tissue that it, that it should because it's trying to keep you safe it's trying to um, function all of the time is one of the things that I learned from some of your practice is that yeah. you know, you're you know, actually trying to function all the time as a um, as an, an 
I hate to say an ex-bodybuilder because that wasn't really what I was, but that when you weight, weight lifting um, and weight training um, and the idea was bodybuilding, you learn all those vectors. So, you you know, all of that about angles of pull, um, different trajectories of incline and deep, all of that is is completely valid. And, and yes, it will. If you can get all muscles all equally firing, it will have an impact on the skeleton. But if you can get the if you can get the skeleton to be in an impactful place, it will also make huge. Um, it will put ease into your into your movement. I was going to say the hard part for that is is somebody who's they struggle to retract their shoulder, the, the protracted shoulder, the flexed thoracic spine that you know is actually got a straight section in it, and then the neck that's forward and sits, you know, the C7 sits forward of T1, um, to be able to pull on that vector is, is a huge issue. You, you, you're then now fighting against forces. And, and movement, you, you said 100% all the time, and that's a big one of my kind of lines. Um, everything works how it should or nothing does. Mm. If you are looking to pull something here, you better hope that everything in your whole body that's required to pull in that space is going to work because otherwise if you pull too much there, something else is going to have a much limited amount of movement. If you, if something is moving excessively for the joint you want to pull with, you, you're going to use that to help you make the pull. And that's where a lot of people get hurt. Yeah, yeah. A lot of low back injuries come from, like you said earlier, you can really move that low spine, but you can't move the structures above it and below it. And so because you don't have choice, you are always going to, use the bit that, yeah, that moves well moves. we talked yeah. we had a hypermobile um podcast with Jeannie Dubon just two days ago um and it was that very same idea the bit that moves is the bit that shouts the loudest is the bit that creates all the attention the bit that doesn't move is the one that nobody looks at probably doesn't hurt and uh, it, it is is not addressed while what you're saying about what those guys are saying is absolutely spot on can't we just add a little dimension to it, which is where we can take a look at the skeleton, we can do some really simple movements, we can give it more access and more potential, and then we can pull stronger and better and safer yeah. and, um, or push, whichever is your chosen modality at the time. But um, that's, that's all I'm trying to do really is, is to create a real baseline for people to, you call it good foundations, from which to be able to do whatever it is, whether it's play elite football or ski or rock climb or um, whatever you're, or just, you know, just take a safe walk to Tesco's. I can remember when I started doing some of your practice, like I literally, because just, just what you've just said right there, I couldn't push a trolley, couldn't even put pressure into a trolley without it hurting, severely hurting my spine. Um, I couldn't turn the trolley. Do you know what I mean? Like I couldn't even do that. That was like way out of the question. Then I have to take my wife to go shopping and she'd be the one that's doing all the lifting and the movement. And I'm just like, this is just, why am I even here? It's just insane. Like how am I going to live with for the rest of my life? And then when I did find your work, it was just like, it was the first time. It's like you said earlier about, you know, the smile on someone's face. It was the first time that I literally felt like I can get through this. This won't be forever. Because what I'd, what I'd learned previous was locking down, keeping everything firm, stable. It's all yeah. about the core. Tighten your core, yeah. keep your core tight. When you move, you don't want to, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to pretend like you're in a hundred kilo squat 
all the time, all day, every day. And <laughs> I remember it well, dude. <laughs> you start to you start to wire it in, and then you start reading yeah. into some of the some of these these people and these practitioners that sort of say those sorts of things. And they go, well, you don't need to do any more than eight eight repetitions of what you're doing because there's no benefit to doing more than that. And it's like really. If you're spending all day lying down on a sofa because you know you're in real physical pain, and the and the one time that you are going to move is to do some kind of rehabilitation or something to help you, and you're only going to do eight repetitions of it. It's like let's let's try not. I know it's my it's like a very small goal to try and get people to at least yeah. come to it, but then at the same time, it's like we want. I personally now I'm of the mindset of like going on to encourage as much movement through my body systems to try and get the bits that don't move as much as we possibly can get them to move. And, it, um, yeah. and there's as much movement in the right place. Yeah. Do the right thing. Take the time to find out what the right thing is. Even mm. now for my, for my, for my body, like my thoracic spine just doesn't like, you know, like the very, like my lumbar thoracic join in there's like, it doesn't want to move. It never wants to move. And my, my chiropractor, bless him, even when I was like 110 kilos and when I was bodybuilding, I was quite quite a slab of muscle. And, you know, he's trying to like loosen off my, my, my thing and he's like picking me up and stuff like that. And I'm like, sorry, mate. And like, <laughs> even I'm sorry about that. If there was anything that I learned from some other practitioners, like when I was doing like, and we'd go to the NHS for my physio, physiotherapy, it was a matter of, you know, your brain is still uh, part of your pain feedback if you're always yeah. looking, if you're always looking there for that pain, you're always going to find it. Um, so that's why you have to try and encourage. I feel that you have to try and encourage body movement rather than just going like limb movement or you know yeah. whatever. Body, like, yeah, whole body movement. You go in to do it. I mean, you see a lot of guys right. They go and do a curl in the gym or whatever, and you can see that it's all just coming from. It's just a big shrug. You know, it's coming. Yeah. The bicep hasn't moved at all. Um, but in actual fact, the, yeah. you know, you've got to think about how it entwines into the whole body. Where's the shortest position that a bicep could be and where's the longest position and try and work through yeah. the whole range. Maybe not in one go, but maybe in a whole workout or a system or, or whatever. Yeah. And I think, trying to find, yeah, encourage more healthier movement is what I'm trying to say. There's, there's technique, there's goals, like get more lift, get more reps uh, at, with good technique or at the cost of technique. Your technique, again, is only as good as your structure will allow. So can we improve the structure to enable more access to technique, which will naturally give you better goals? Um, but, you know, this is not mainstream stuff. So the mainstream stuff is everything you're talking about, curls, bench press, squat. Um, and as that, that mainstream has got wider and wider and wider, but without actually tackling the underlying issues, which is, that's really what we want to do. And we'll probably is probably why we'll remain... Um, niche and not not well i don't know obviously the hope is to be able to get mainstream but that's uh that's that's a, it's a big shout a just wait one. until you start seeing everyone in your local commercial gym doing like cogs yeah. <laughs> that's that's why i train in the places that i train in because it's actually quite normal to see people do things like hip aeroplanes yeah. and and stuff like that before <laughs> you train or whatever you know whatever yeah. kind of movement because it wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice just to have that sense of these are the three things that I need to do to reset my system before I do any training. So I'm not just going to stretch my quads uh, or go for a jog on the treadmill and then, and then, and then start lifting 
weights. But, but to be able to go, right, well, I know that I need to prep by, um, I don't just come in, Adam Ondra, who's like number one climber in the world, climbed mm -hmm. a 9C route called Silence in Norway. And, and he, there was a move that he couldn't do. And so he spent ages making sure that he could contract that lat strong enough. He knew what he needed to achieve. Right? It created a huge imbalance in his body. And then he spent years un, you know, unwinding himself back. He got out of it what he needed. Phenomenal. But the, the idea being is he knew what he needed. So if you go into the, the state of going, I need to have my weight in my left leg. I need to get this foot to pronate better. I need this pelvis to be rotating to the right. You've got your setup. You understand the system. And you do those as your as your warm ups. Right? A lot of uh, a lot of practitioners, of personal trainers, that well, they're, they're, I really these movements are fantastic. We can do them in a nice, neat way. I use them as warm ups for people. Use them as warm ups for people. Use them as corrective strategies for people. You know, and and the stretching, the static stretching thing you alluded to, we can start to forget about as we just before a warm up, a workout, and after a workout, we mobilize our bodies uh, back to a state of normal can see why people go in and do some static stretching of the hip flexor or they're doing some dynamic movement to try and turn that stuff off. But yeah. again, it goes back to why is it on in the first place? <laughs> and is, it, is it because you're walking every day, all day in this horrible posture that is turning your glute off and internally ro rotating your legs or whatever? Or is it because you sat down all day and it's just, and it's just like you're just turning your glutes off so you're they're trying to do what your glutes are trying to do, like to try and keep you upright and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I think there's so much more to movement that people just sort of... Yeah, you're making me think of what we used, there used to be, like a, you put a dowel rod on, on, the, on your shoulder, oh, God, twist yeah. left, yeah. twist right, or you rotate easy left, but you, you struggle to rotate right. Yeah. And um, People struggle to even get the dowel over so their head. I struggle to... Yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of rotating right suddenly becomes the, well, you need to stretch your, stretch the obliques, stretch the... And then you realise when they stand up, that there's, a, there's a, a difference between one foot and the other foot that actually, you know, that if you make a change there, all of a sudden they can, they can rotate right again. So you can spend years in the environment of doing a sitting test and they'll only ever be able to rotate left, not right, until you amend the, the imbalance in the feet. I mean, you asked earlier, what I, I remember that years ago, just going, oh, if I just change this foot, because that doesn't, that would balance them out, all of a sudden they've got rotation there. So if you get rotation immediately from an adjustment in the foot, you are always going to be drawn to the foot as the problem rather than just focusing on the thing that doesn't move. Yeah. So that's a big part for me of, uh, of, um, of taking the assessment, a, a local assessment and making it global. Well, that's the thing, a matter of problems in, in, in the feet or whatever, it's, it's, um, it's just bring my ideas to like a functional scoliosis. I'm just thinking about, because you were talking about rotation with the dowel. And it's like, if you are just, you know, your body moves itself into that position where you've got this scoliotic posture just to try and keep yourself safe in, in space. But then all of a sudden you get someone and they lean forward and the, and the scoliosis like goes, um, yeah. you can, you can find that a lot of the time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause, cause obviously like, cause I've got one. So it's just always been like something that I've always been mindful of. And you try and have a look at, uh, information about it, but there's not really, it's just a matter of just get strong. That's kind of what everyone says. But then the polar opposite of that is like, okay, I'm going to get strong, but then I'm going to have 
one side that's like long and strong and one side that's short and strong. And then exactly. it's, yeah. it's how does that go in? And, and one of the best things that I can remember actually coming to with your practice was finding rotation again because everything is in one dimension. It is forwards and backwards or up and down. Um, yeah. and, and, and a lot of uh, the, the, the gym space, as it were, and this is going back to what we were saying about, you know, not all movement being healthy all the time, is that in actual fact, we completely negate rotation because all that people talk about is going, that's where injury happens. Don't go there. Don't go there. In actual fact, you should probably, probably maybe we should be getting strong there. You know, it's like if you look at strong men, and they're picking up the atlas stones and stuff like that. And the backs are completely around and the shoulders are right over this ball and they're trying to yeah. like pick it up. But yeah, they're still, they still pick it up. Still get it on there, man. Yeah. Do you know what There's I mean? No way they could pick it. No way they could pick it up with a straight spine. No. Or, uh, or without the yeah. power belly, they call it the power belly. Yeah. Get, get yeah. it on top of the belly. And, that road, that rotation thing, uh, Rob is, is a classic. So a lot of people are rotating. Like, I don't think it's something that we think is, um, you know, to be banned in the, in the gym environment. But so, the, you know, cables and blah, blah, blah. But if you take a look, everybody rotating. If, you want, if a rib cage is rotating left and it's pulling the pelvis left with it, even if there's a slight delay, they're not experiencing a real rotation in the spine. The, a rotation in the spine occurs when a pelvis goes one direction and a rib cage goes the other. And if you're doing that with load or with with speed you're never going to be able to create that so what you experienced when we coached you through it was a true rotation where you actually had a pelvis and ribcage traveling in opposite directions that is the definition of a rotation in the spine if i rotate my pelvis a little bit left and my ribcage a lot left i still get a rotation in the spine but it's just not the same as having that corkscrew kind of kind of action so that's what really lit would light, light your obliques up, light the glute and the lats up, that, those slings that hold us together in that rotational space. So again, that's a real case of slowing down, yeah. being very specific about what you want and not being sucked into the speed uh, that we talked about earlier. And slowly what you find as well, and going back to the wedges, is that when you do do that, it's okay that the, the hip and the rib cage are doing that, but can the glute and the adductors and everything else allow that to happen? And then how does that travel into the knee? You know, because like your practice goes from the foot up a lot of times, but yeah. let's think about it all the way down. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I can, I can rotate these bits, but the bits that really yeah, do be able to allow me access to do that is, you know, further down, further downstream as well. You know, so it's not just a matter of just focusing only on the, the, yeah. the little bits. It's about how it transcends. Well, and you should all be able to, all listeners, stand up, rotate your pelvis left and feel a change in your feet. Your left foot, if you rotate your pelvis left, your left foot, will the pressure will go outside, it will supinate a little bit. Your right foot, the pressure will come inside, the arch will fall a little bit. And then you take the pelvis to the right, you have exactly the same outcome, but opposite. So the right foot pressure outside, supinating a bit, arch coming up, left foot pronating, pressures into the inside. And that's just from, from moving your pelvis. So if your foot, one of your feet can't do one of those things, your pelvis won't be able to do its respective thing. And then your spine's rotation is, is compromised. The mad thing, you, I nearly brought it up earlier, but you, when you said earlier about having the, big, the straight spine and locking everything down, the mad thing about that, that is a golden standard. Like get your spine straight and strong and stable, but do not pronate your feet. But if you put the two together, if you can't rotate your spine and you can't move your pelvis, 
because of the nature of your arm swing and your leg swing, you will always pronate your feet. So this is, that's just a natural outcome of the joint surfaces and shapes because your pelvis will be going the wrong way at the wrong time, yeah. creating a foot that's flat through the push-through rather than a foot that's doing the opposite thing. And unfortunately, science has measured that and seen countless people doing that and has begun to validate that as the way we walk rather than going, oh, no, that's a problem. We need to be able to do the opposite with our feet, the opposite with our leg, create a counter torsion in the pelvis to the ribcage. So there's huge ironies. On the one hand, get stable, fabulous, but don't pronate your feet. But when you put the two together, you've got no option but to pronate your feet. So we can't. <laughs> the other one is to supinate your feet and to stand your spine up tall. They also, those two mechanisms don't speak to each other at the same time. Mm. I, I, when I'm supinating, my feet will always call a, call a flexion in the spine. And when I pronate, my feet will always call an extension in the spine. So there's so many ironies. That's what I was telling you about in my, my, my awakening um, of, to all of this, is that so many things that we believe are accurate are actually ironic and um, conflicting with, with each other. So that's, that's just... That's just been a huge part of, of the whole journey for me. That could be, and that, to be able to help people understand that is 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 important. That could be uh, elusive to anything, though. Do you know what I mean? If you think about, it's, I, I suppose that's where people are coming from and how they look at it from their perspective, um, depending on their background. If it was the same in nutrition, right, or, or in food, it's people have got you know their isms and their rules and yeah. the things that they look at and. Yeah, but yeah. the more and more we learn, the more, and that's a, a big thing that I try and instill in everyone is trying to be open-minded because uh, yeah. people have that really narrow focus of going, no, this is the, this is where I live. This is what I do. This is my tribe. Yeah. And I was saying earlier, you know, this is, these are, these yeah. are my practices. And if I do anything outside of that, then I'm not seen as being a part of it or whatever, and it might rub people up. Well, you're, <laughs> I can say you're learning your business that the, the best thing to do is to leave them there until they yeah. venture out of that tribe of their own, of their own choice and, and making. So all you can ever do is attract people through your message to come and to come and learn it, to enjoy that experience. It's just karma, isn't it? You should just keep putting good stuff together that you believe that is good, and it, uh, it, it, it is good at what? What, what I'm trying to say is that, like, you know, when you know someone's lying to you, do you know what I mean? You know, you talk to someone and you know someone's lying to you, and you just can't quite figure it out. <laughs> it's like it's that same feeling. It's kind of like I'm not going to put something out if I know I'm going to lie to someone about something. It's like I can mm. I, I can know that this is true, and I know that this is going to be beneficial in some way, shape, or form to somebody. Uh, and, and 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 if I'm wrong, I will hold my hands up and go, I've learned something new let's yeah. forget about that or let's use that as a basis to learn this new thing, you know? So yeah. um, it's a big part of uh, working through as, as many and, and just being open-minded to, to anything. Yeah. To all intents and purposes, I think everybody's intentions are good. So, you know, what we might say that, you know, you're off the track slightly is what they think is accurate and beneficial and they've had good experiences. And so they will teach people in, in that guise um, until you know, that changes. I mean, it used to be that we used, to, as a personal trainer, you'd be teaching one thing on, on week 23 of the year, go to a course on the weekend, and on week 24, you'd do something completely different and going, actually, what we were doing last week, that was not good. Oh, right. <laughs> so, um, what did you eat for breakfast today, man? 
uh, I actually went and had a sausage sandwich with a coffee. Okay, here's the chocolat. Here's the divide. Not my norm. Brown mm. sauce or ketchup, man? Brown. It's got to be ketchup. Come on. <laughs> even <laughs> even, <laughs> even I don't like. Even I don't really like ketchup. But you still go. We go brown sauce. Yeah. I'm oh. a, on a normal day, I, I I have a cooked breakfast pretty yeah. much every day. Uh, is there anything that you would, that that you like make that is like you know when you want to feel like at home and quite comforted and be like oh this is just something that is just like yeah that tastes like home or reminds me of a certain place or a certain time or like the best meal I've ever had is there anything like that that you get? Um, for me, it's a Sunday roast. A Sunday roast. Not necessarily on a Sunday, at any time. <laughs> a lump of roast meat, vegetables, gravy, roast potatoes, stuffing if you're lucky. Have you got a morning routine? You've got something that you do every day like, as a practice? <laughs> My morning routine is uh, very child-centric. Um, <laughs> get the kids to school. Um, so I don't have a morning routine. Um and it's interesting. I, I don't necessarily feel like I need one yeah. either. Um, I w- have many times had the need to get out of bed and do some yoga or um, meditate or breathe. And they were all practices that I, that I worked through over a period of time. Um, but, but now don't, yeah, I don't feel like I need to have access to them. I move my body as and when my body needs moving. Uh, I'll do something every day. I know my limitations and, and I'll find them. I'll find a space in a day that is convenient for me um, rather than um, a fixed a fixed one. Uh, so my day pretty much does run from 9am when the kids are at school to, to that witching hour when I realise we've got to get them again. <laughs> and uh, somebody said to me yesterday, like, <clears throat> are you, you know, how many direct messages are you responding to and I was and I have to just so they don't overflow I have to do them as and when so I have this kind of as and when life so when I need to move when I need to train when I need to answer messages do email work it's it's full like, like my life is very full uh, for which I'm grateful for um, but no I don't have a physical personal breathing meditation or movement practice yeah. that, I, that I do every day what's the, um, what's the Gary Ward uh, w- workout looking like is it just climbing nowadays recently it has been um, I it's this is, <laughs> sounds like a selling but you, you know the, you have um, issues I briefly ran through my injury history earlier and um, I've, I've been climbing since uh, Kai um, began uh, well, we were climbing together, and he got picked up for in a squad, and is now one of the top thirty kids in the, in the UK for his age group. I'm very proud of him and his accomplishments. And the best thing about all of this is that when he climbs, I get to climb. <laughs> so my own rock climbing were kind of improved and went through the roof. And um, we, I would, I used to get to a place I'd climb, I'd feel like I'm climbing the best I've ever climbed, and then all of a sudden, uh, some. I'd, a little niggle or something would come in and set me back and I'd have to have three weeks off or whatever. And But I'd give me an opportunity to work through it. And I've been working through so much stuff in my own body. Um, 
it, it's never gone away. I've never got to a place of um, I, you know, feel like Superman and carry on. So jaw, neck, um, back, they all show up at different times. But, you know, every, what I notice is that as I get through a new plateau, every time I get through a new plateau of personal problem, I hit new levels of strength in, in the climbing. So I'm climbing stronger now than I've ever, ever have the age of 44. Um, and so I feel like I get stronger and able to do more. And like, I could not have done what I'm doing now 20 years ago. Yeah. And so that idea of um, my, my training is, is the power and the strength and the gains with lots of Zs on the end have come from optimizing my body. And it's a continual journey that I've never, ever let go of. But um, if I want to work out, uh, it, it, I would I'd just do what I feel like. Um, mostly it's now, yeah, because of the obsession with the climbing, finger strengthening, fingerboard, work, pull-ups, push-ups, body weight work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, throw the weights in every now and again uh, because I've enjoyed it and I've done it for years. But um, I'm not a very routine-based person. So, Do you find that actually working with, <laughs> do, do you find that working with, with benches and barbells actually like limits, it takes away from some of the movement and the athleticism, as it were, that I want to use um, in, within your climbing? Because sometimes like that, those static postures and trying to just move through things do you think it I think in, if in I did it all the time, yeah, I'd prefer to have the, the, the flow and the movement. One of the things for me that was really enjoyable about um, taking weightlifting, being in that, in the, living in a gym, basically, living in a gym, um, and then learning about three-dimensional movement and then going, how do I apply three-dimensional movement to a bicep curl? How do I do it to a – so pick a muscle, look at it three-dimensionally, create a movement, and all of a sudden you're doing um, – this lovely movement that goes from a shortening tricep to a shortening bicep with spinal integration movements and stuff like that. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed that whole experience of having a three dimensional approach to, to lifting weights. And so when I do go to classic weights, I'll always end up going, Oh, if we just tweak this a little bit and move that a little bit. But I, what I found is you can get so much more. A, a pec workout used to be a good old pec workout. Yeah. Uh, pushing straight up and down but then with an arm spiral involved of internally and externally rotating the arm you suddenly hit more of the pec but not only do you hit more of the pec you actually get your lats and your rhomboids and yeah, your, yeah. your traps involved and your bicep and your tricep and your abs and you yeah. put a cog into that type of work and all of a sudden you're like whoa i can make this so much bigger than than it was and i know people will be like oh could they sh could he show us how you do that stuff and people have asked for years but um Again, I wouldn't want to put that out there for people to do without having that baseline in place because it's, it's um, you, you need to be doing it from a good from a good understanding of, of how your body works. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's me, and I think that's uh, a lot of people I climb with. Are, you know, you're so flexible, you've got you're strong in end ranges and, and and that type of stuff. So I probably should be climbing harder routes than I do, but um, <clears throat> I probably will in the future as I get younger. Yeah. That's the that's the, the part of the journey that's the best. It's the process, isn't it? It's actually what we all we, what we all really crave is the is the process, not the goal. We get to the goal and then we sit there and go, "All oh, right, what next?" <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, "Oh, I've done that now. Like completed it, mate." You know. Yeah, uh, but I think if the thing if the climbing gives you anything, there is there is no end to to what you may or may not be able to do. Mm. So just no talk goal. about about climbing, because you mentioned Kai. Um, 
even I can see the pride that you have in in Kai and 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 being a dad. So like, what does what does being a father really sort of like mean to you? Uh, it's always a massive thing, but you know, it's something that I see in in some of the stuff that you share. And then I sit there and like go, wow, like that makes me feel proud. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if I could put that into words. That yeah. Sure. Um, that for me, they are kind of got two children and they they're absolutely everything so when they're around i don't really work so we'll have half terms and summer holidays and stuff and and i I do what i need to do if i have to go and teach i go and teach but when we're around and we're together we're we're kind of together Mm. um to watch certainly to watch kai but also isla as well for us to climb together do sports together um have journeys and adventures together there's, there's there's you know there's nothing like it really um but to see uh him develop and evolve into a young teenager who has a focus in life a goal in life um is willing to get up at six o'clock in the morning and train before school um will get his homework done so that he can be with his squad in the evenings um, to compete in competitions and to sit there and look at something and go, how can I do that better? Um, where did it go wrong today? And have adult conversations at, at that level. You know, to me, that's that was uh, that's super it, inspiring. Isn't that the meaning behind his name? It is. Kai's name. <laughs> do you know, yeah. it's so funny. We had this chat this morning because uh, Isla said, can you, do you just, do you get given your Instagram name? And we're like, no, darling, you actually, you choose it. <laughs> she, I don't get it. How do you do that? But Kaizen, there's a lovely little drop in here, at Kaizen108, follow him. Like He's, he's doing some amazing stuff on, on the wall. Um, but Kaizen means ever constantly, imp- constant improvement. Mm. Um, and uh, the 108 came from my dear friend Ulrich White, who used to always use 108 as a very spiritual number. Um, and the, so there would always be 108 mala beads on a, on a mala, otherwise it, won't, it will lose its power. And uh, so Kaizen 108 was is was that, and uh, and there's a story about where his name came from, which is something to do with um, drinking ayahuasca in the Amazon jungle. But that, that's for another time. <laughs> uh, I I knew it. I knew it. I knew it that there was going to be that connection. We, we had a we had a fun period out in Peru in 2007, um, and he was born in 2008, and he is a. Um, um, yeah, no, it's a pleasure to, to watch him train and perform and to be able to have a coach, not just a father and son, but a coach-athlete relationship as well and for him to to be able to split between those two things. So, um, yeah, I'm super proud of him. Is there anything that you really want, want for him in his life that maybe you've had or to be able to carry that on? Um, for For anyone to do what, what they love, what makes them feel happy and, and has a, you know, enables them to have a pursuit. I know that that's, that's how I've been. So whenever I've bumped into anything in my life that didn't suit me, I just dropped it like a stone and moved on, um, not knowing what was going to happen next. So to, to take that opportunity to find out what you wanted, that's how I ended up in the ski resorts. If I hadn't ended up in the ski resorts, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Um, 
uh, at school. I was a, I was basically good at French and German and little else. So that was what I made sure. That's what I studied at university. So when I went to France, I was able to have these this job opportunity due to being fluent, you know, in a language. Um, and then again, so had I not had that, I, you can join the dots all the way back and along. But to just to, I stopped the skiing when my desire to do something else was greater than the skiing. But if I was tied to the skiing because, I don't know, I had to pay a mortgage or something, then uh, I probably would have, you know, when you get tied into it. So the ability to just go, that's that, that's that chapter finished and that's this chapter open. And so if for him, rock climbing is his future, um, long, you know, may that be it until he decides it's not. But yeah. to be able, just to have conviction of your own mind, to be able to... Um, know when that time is and not to be attached to anything and to move freely on yeah i think it's interesting that sometimes um when people just wake up in the morning like you were just saying and, and just like no okay i can stop doing that right now um i, I did it in my life was like like one day i just literally woke up and i was like i'm, I'm just going to stop smoking and that was it you know years of smoking and just just never touched one after or just drinking just like mm-hmm. getting to a point where like i was just like no done walk away um because i can yeah, see you, you're like you get to that point where you see you see how it's like underwriting and connecting all the things in, in your life that's functioning for you at the time but then you can just go no i don't need it anymore because i don't need i'm mm-hmm. happy now or whatever and now i can move yeah. on um, the word serving he used earlier it, yeah it served you and yeah, then it, it and then it didn't and to be aware of that is i think is is huge yeah and yeah and some, and like I was saying before, is that some people's movement practices are that it serves them to get away from relationships in their life, and it's the first time they can find some calm. You know, it's it, maybe it's just playing golf to get away from the wife because when you're around the wife, there's always a job, or uh, you go walking. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go walking in the woods, and you have that sense of pride seeing a squirrel. Do you know what I mean? It's those yeah. moments, those yeah. light moments that just yeah. like you know and, for and they can become very few and far between these days in the in the hectic busyness of phone going all day long and things to do and ever ever never ending to-do lists and um yeah so i really think that that's a so important to give yourself time and space to experience those things my morning practice is that i wake up uh you know i do a little bit of social i post i post a post out every single day and then I'll come downstairs, I'll drink a glass of water. And then I, walk, I go straight into the front room, wedges come out, and then I do my bits. And then, you know, go about my day. So it's something that is like massively part, part of my life. And it has been since we've, we've met and begun. So um, firstly, like, thank you so much for that. Because they are like, the, the, it's been some of the most amazing things that I've ever done. And, um, and and secondly, like, thank you so much for your time and giving it to me today. So, um, Mate, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Um, it's funny because I feel like I've known you forever, uh, <laughs> even though we're, this is our first face-to-face. It's so, so crazy. So um, thank you for having me and also for sticking with the programme and, um, and, you know, being able to share that. So there's some there's some really nice stuff in that in that conversation. If anyone is able to sit through the whole thing, <laughs> yeah, you've got so much to give. You have got a, a minefield of things to give, and if you can at least put one penneth 
to use my Nottingham, no Derbyshire slang into uh, into somebody else, then the, the anything that they can get from you is absolutely amazing. So if you, yeah. uh, where's your where's your spaces, your your online spaces to find Anatomy in Motion and some more about you? Uh, Instagram at Gary Ward underscore A I M, uh, and the bio link will take you straight to the website, which is www.findingcenter c-e-n-t-r-e for the english listeners.co.uk uh, sorry for the american listeners.co.uk findingcenter.co.uk uh, also facebook uh, forward slash anatomy in motion um and and that's that's about it really um wake your body up and wake your feet up for the programs we've discussed at length here and for anybody uh, practitioners who are listening and interested uh, we have begun our online education with a closed leg, closed chain biomechanics of the lower limb course, uh, which will grow into a full body conversation about, about the gait cycle over the next couple of years, hopefully. And of course, author of What the Foot by Gary Wall. Thank you. Yeah, an amazing yes, book. I mustn't forget that. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Gary. Thank you as well, Rob.